Speaking of heavy lifting, there's nothing like when you have to share on a Sunday morning. That's heavy lifting. And so Adrian's been doing the heavy lifting this week. It's been awesome. I can just chill. And so can you give it up for Adrian this morning? Thank you, PK. Appreciate it. Oh, it's true. It is heavy lifting. It's interesting lifting. So I am really glad to be with you guys today and this morning. And hi on live. Sorry, mom and dad. It doesn't work in Costa Rica. So <laughs> no Wi-Fi, apparently. At least not fast enough for RCC because we're ahead of the curve, people. Um, I also just wanted to briefly bring back up the REACH, um, our outreach that we're doing for the Thanksgiving Eve. I'm really looking forward to what we're going to do for that community, and they're so excited to have us. Um, so uh, like Kelsey said, she did amazing, um, there's an opportunity to just help cook. We have to cook everything in this church kitchen. Um, we can't cook anything at home, um, so I'll be helping coordinate that, but I could really use a team of people just willing to kind of work and come in when they can and do that together. Um, there will also be that opportunity just at 6 to 8 p.m. Actually, it's going to be about 6 to 7.30 p.m. of just serving and being um, at the church um, with that community and just talking to them. And don't worry, we're making it easy. We have conversation cards. We have papers. You can color while you talk because um, I know after you say hello, then there's that really awkward like, all right, we said hey. So we want to make that easy for you. And then the third thing that Kelsey said is that we are raising money to help pay for all the food that we're going to be providing um, to that, those families. And you can also give online. So definitely drop a check in the back um, or cash if you're able to, but you also can give online. And just make sure you put other and put reach or put Thanksgiving. And so Miss Carrie will know where to put that towards. So I'm looking forward to doing this together um, as a church. It's going to be a really... Um, it's going to be really powerful. It's going to be really powerful to do something so different um, for us personally as a church body than we've done in the past. It's going to be really fun. All right, let's hit it with James. Huh. Well, PK is hysterical. So he gave me, because, you know, he's talking about James, and they're all, like, so hard, all these sections. Well, people are talking about stuff, and I'm like, that's not so hard. I could talk about that. That would be fine. Um, but the section he gave me, I have my sticky note when many months ago. James 5, 7 through 11, patience and suffering. And I was like, oh, for the love. Like, I mean, patience is just not really my deal. Um, never really has been. I have certainly gotten better as I have become a parent, and I am required to, like, teach patience. So then to teach patience, you have to be patient. And the techniques you give your children, you then have to use yourself. Um, so I'm working on it, and I am learning, but patience is just not my natural inclination. Um, our Voice of God study that we're doing with a couple ladies um, by Priscilla Shire, and it's, it's, we're talking about discerning the voice of God and, and being patient, and one of the questions she asked in our homework was, um, are you naturally inclined towards patience or impatience? And in our group, I was like, guys, I know this is not like the deep like heavy hitting stuff, but I was like, is anybody here like inclined towards patience? Because I just, I can't imagine that being a thing. Like, how is that possible? So we did have one person that said, you know, I think I actually kind of am. Like, I'm just a little bit more laid back and I'm just going to kind of go with the, uh, the flow. And I was like, okay, like, that's cool. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm married to one of those. I have a very patient husband. He goes aflow. He can wait. He can see in the future and just know it's going to be fine out there. It's okay if it takes a while till we get there. So he, he beats me in every category of patience, except for, you saw my Facebook, Ikea. Tim, slides, please. 
So I did find one area that I, I feel pretty exceptional in my patients, and that would be IKEA furniture building. This is called IKEA fails. Best part of my servant prep all week was just Googling IKEA fails. It's unreal what happens to people. I mean, that lady in the middle, it actually looks kind of like me. I actually also thought it was Joanna with her beautiful new hair. Uh, but that's hysterical. I mean, look at her. The chair is just upside down. Like, what even happened? I mean, the shelf is all put together, and it just goes, Ugh. And then to, I'm sure this has happened to everybody, whether it's IKEA furniture or not. The far one with the slides, it just slides. The shelf just goes, so Avon's not so into IKEA building furniture. We, we did that whole thing when you first got married, you buy a bunch of IKEA furniture, you build it together because they say this is like relationships and if you can do IKEA, you can do anything. I think they're right, but it's also important to learn where your strengths are and just, you know, step back. To step back where it's not your strength. I am the furniture building queen. I no longer want Avon to touch it. He does not like to follow their rules because their rules don't make any sense to him. Many of you know he's a carpenter. He knows how to build things. He knows how it should be done. Ikea does not care how it should be done. <laughs> they want you to do it their way. So I, I kill it. I kill it. I kill it in that. I'm sorry, babe, but I'm really proud. This is so funny to me. Fail. I just think of Avon because we, ha we literally had that exact, that, sorry, you don't know what I'm looking at, that exact shelf. And it did lean, ours was white, and Avon has that many records. And I was like, that is seriously what would happen if he built it. You have to have patience if you're gonna do Ikea furniture. I will come to your house, you give me coffee and some popcorn, I will build your Ikea furniture for you. Just a side note, I love it. I have one area of success of patience. Of course, um, James does not make it quite so easy, and he is not talking about Ikea furniture. He is talking about our everyday lives and how do we actually have patience every day. So I do want you to keep this in mind. We have patience for a reason, because that's what happens to our lives as it gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier with the things that happen all around us, whether to us, to people we love, just the world in general. If we're not built right, if we didn't take the time and the patience to be built strong, we're just gonna so that's what we're talking about today. How can we be patient in that building and in that time so we're not this fail? I should have made a really awesome IKEA hack like about how awesome they build it, but this was way more fun. It's just the fails are too fun. So first, we're going to talk about what is patience? What is patience? It's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. This would not be Avon with Ikea. This would not be Jen, as I learned, with Ikea. Uh, it is a it's a tricky thing. So it's, we can think about it, obviously, when we're doing tasks. But James, of course, is talking about the bigger picture, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. I hate delay. I hate delay. Trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. I was doing a little noodling on what these verses meant, which we will get to. The Ashbury Bible Commentary, when I was looking at these portions of, of James, this is what they said about patience. He says, the distinctive attitude of the Christian community is patience. Interesting, should be a distinctive feature of who we are. Irritating and disconcerting things do not change the settled condition of the heart. The settled condition of our hearts. Assuredly, the Lord is working in the community out of compassion as they, that would be us, this is our community, as we cultivate uncommon patience. 
So that is what we're talking about. It is uncommon to be patient when you are experiencing delays. It is uncommon to be patient when stuff is really irritating. It is uncommon to be patient when stuff is disconcerting. But James is showing us and talking to us about how we can have a settled condition of the heart. So we'll get there. We're almost going to get to James. Don't you worry. So why should we be patient? Because this is how I function. I, like James, he's going to talk about all these great things, but I want to know what it is, and I need to know why. Like, why should I be patient? I don't want to be that IKEA fail. That sounds good. I would really rather not. But what does that mean for me personally? And what does that mean for you? So God just showed me a couple verses. He gave me Hebrews 6.12. I'm going to be reading these out of the message. If you just want to write them down, um, you can hear what God says about what happens when we're patient. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. Colossians 1, 11 through 12. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It is a strength that endures the unendurable and spills into joy. Thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2 says, Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think of like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Kind of like Avon and Ikea. He just wants his own way. You can't do it your own way. Because then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. So this is actually not a sermon about patience and suffering. It's actually a sermon about patience and, dare I say, the rewards when we're patient. Because that's really what he's talking about. All of these verses are talking about not just suffer through, just grit it out, because Jesus' life was hard, so you should just be okay with being hard. No, First Peter says Jesus was hard. But now, if you hold to it, we're going to be able to live out our days free to just do what God wants. Instead of always being kind of consumed by what we want, we can just be free to do what he wants. What an awesome reward for waiting it out. The Colossians verse, the 1, 11 through 12, is that as we are enduring the unendurable, can I get an amen? Enduring the undurable. That has happened. We have experienced that. Um, but that it's going to spill over into joy, that that's possible as we're waiting. That he's going to make us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Another incredible reward of being patient. We could take part in what he's doing if I just wait. If I just wait. The Hebrews 6 through 12, I'm going to get, we're going to get everything promised to us everything promised us as we hold firm and stay true. So we know what patient is. I think these are some really good reasons of why we should be patient. And so now we're going to talk about James. And he gives us, I believe, our examples of when we might need patience. So if you guys want to open your Bibles or you can read up here. Thank you, Eric, for making that work. I deleted, I just deleted the Bible verses when I got here this morning. So I'm thankful we have an awesome team and they can solve problems. It is awesome. Um, we're going to read out of James 5, 7 through 11. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near delete that. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. 
the judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessing those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, and thank you that it is um, God-breathed. Thank you that you give the Holy Spirit as you illuminate the text. And you have something very specific for our church body here, Lord. I just thank you that you will um, do the talking and that um, I would honor you in whatever I say and whatever I share. Amen. So thank you, James, for, um, for talking about when we need to be patient. Because it helps, I think, for me. It helps to have some sort of concrete ways to help pursue this whole concept of waiting. It's a really difficult thing to do. Patience, I did a little noodling. Uh, my friend, Miss Ashley, we made a joke about how I didn't go to seminary and I don't know all the Greek. But then I, the internet's amazing, number one, because all of these great books, Ma the Matthew Henry Commentary, awesome book, um, they have such great information. If you ever get bored in your Bible study, I just side note, like just look up any commentary and just look at those verses in the commentary and it, there's so much richness there that helps build and develop what you're learning. So patience, the patience word that he uses in James um, is a Greek word, makrothymesate, um, which means when we have done all of our work, we need to have the patience to save for our reward. I was like, wow, God, that's so cool. That's exactly what I felt like you were saying about this. It's not just being patient because we're just suffering and just, oh, it wasn't over yet. It's we're saying patience because we know there is a reward. We know there's something. We are waiting for that. This Christian patience is not a mere yielding to necessity, but it is a humble acquiescence in the wisdom and the will of God. A humble acquiescence in the wisdom and the will of God. It's a different posture of patience. It is not yielding as a necessity because I have to wait and there's nothing I can do about it. It is the choice to be humble and saying, God, I, I don't really like waiting. I still don't have to like it. I don't like it. But if I follow the wisdom and I wait on his will, that is the reward that is coming to us. So James, he talks about having the settled condition of the heart and three types of waiting as we're cultivating our uncommon patience. So first he talks about patience while in our circumstances. Um, I previously read the James verse out of the NIV, but I want to read just this portion out of the Message Bible. It says, Meanwhile, friends, wait patiently for the master's arrival. You see farmers do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow but sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any time. So same word, same patience. I mean, this is where the patience is, that macrothymesate. Um, is they're, they're waiting for the reward. They're waiting for their valuable crops. And James is saying, while you are waiting in your circumstances, wait like they did. Our circumstances are actually accomplishing something. This may not be a new topic for you, but it's always such a good reminder. Our circumstances just are pure circumstances are accomplishing something, just like the farmers and their crops and the rain and the time and the way those circumstances are built around them. The rain is doing something. It isn't just getting everything wet. It's actually causing things to grow. It has immense value. While rain is not, well, I love rain, but 
lots of people don't love rain, and it's a difficult thing to endure in reality, but it's doing something valuable. It's what makes Washington State as beautiful as it is, is all of our rain. The circumstances are always accomplishing something. The end of the verse says, the master could arrive at any time. That's how I've always read that verse. The master could arrive at any time. Jesus is at the door. And it has felt like, oh, good, okay, I'm going to, I don't know how should I be when you find me because you're just about to find me and I need to be in some particular area doing it just right. And I felt like God was just saying, well, yeah, I mean, you should be acting in, in, in reverence and, and following what you know for me to do. But what I really sense God saying is that Jesus' soon coming arrival isn't a threat. It is a focusing. So it's not a threat that he's almost, he's almost here. It's a focusing of where I should be and what I'm thinking about in my circumstances when I can't see beyond what's happening right here. I, James is reminding us that Jesus coming soon, that my focus should be just way out there, just way beyond what I can really ask or imagine, way beyond what I thought or what I know, because he is focusing me on the fact that he's coming soon, so that should be what directs my time. That is why I should wait. That is why we should take our time before we move forward. That's why we should not rush our circumstances, because he's coming soon. He said it this way for a specific reason. And he wants us to be reminded, and James is reminding us, be focused on what really matters when it, the patience is wearing thin, when it's, I'm starting to get a little irritated, a little angry. Jesus is saying, focus on what's really coming. That is how you can make it through. So it's interesting how God works everything together. One of the reasons I was struggling so much, I think, with this verse and pulling together what God do you want. Um, one, it's interesting. I've, I realize I've never shared when someone's told me what to share. I've always just gotten to share like what I feel the Lord's saying. So it's an interesting process to get a chunk and then ask God what you want me to say about this chunk. So I, I like that. Kevin, thank you. I like the parameters. It was hard and different, but I liked it. But I just struggled. There was just no, I had all this information, but I had no frame to hang it on, dare I say. Um, and Ruth, you just shared with me that you were praying for me, you think it was on Wednesday or Thursday, and that's when I had breakthrough. Um, for me, it was, as I share, it always needs to be something that I'm learning right now. Um, I can give examples of patients in my past where I didn't do a good job, and then God helped me, or despite myself, and he brought about something good, but it's hard to share something that's just already happened. So, um, you're going to get where I'm learning patience right now. And the reason it's so emotional is because where I'm learning patience is my parents' sabbatical. And um, it's something that I want to tread lightly on because um, it's just a really big deal. It's, it's a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be for me personally. Um, they don't give a handbook for pastor's kids um, of how you do this. Because um, obviously the sabbatical is not about me. I totally get that. Not about me. Um, but I still get to walk through it as a child. As a child of my parents. Um, and so that's where God is, is teaching me patience. Because this is really harder than I thought it was going to be. 
Um, they get to go away and process all this. I get to be here and process with you guys. So let's just, just do this. Um, so those are my circumstances right now. My circumstances are that my parents, oh, taking such a well-deserved break. Something that when we talked as a family, it was just, the excitement was palpable. Just like, oh, this will be so good. So excited for them. Not worried about church. So convinced, thoroughly convinced that whatever God is doing is good. So on board. So on board. So when I came to church the first Sunday in September, when mom and dad started their sabbatical, I just came in like, I mean, it feels sort of weird, but like, I feel good. Like, this is, it's, it's all good. I'm, I'm on team sabbatical. As a child, I hadn't processed coming in and sitting in the back where my dad usually sits. And what hit me, I mean, literally blindsided me, I actually had to leave the room, was the fact, this is how it will be when my parents, when they meet Jesus, and they're just not even here anymore. And I was like, whoa, this was already going to be kind of weird enough, just circumstantially of all of us finding our place, and, and, and how are we going to do this, and what's it going to be like? That's, those circumstances were already kind of, you know, uncomfortable enough. That circumstance of just them thinking about a sabbatical, them thinking about retiring, them talking about what does the future hold, what would it look like, it, it, it blindsided me. Uh, that means they're just getting one step closer to no longer being here at all. That was literally all of September for me. I, I found a lot of things to help in the back. I, I just, that was a disconcerting circumstance. It still is, but I've had a little time to think about it. It's just a circumstance I can't do anything about, though. I, I, I can't do anything about it as a child. This is just Adrian as a kid. My parents are getting to get closer. Guess what? So am I. So are you. And that's where I found so much encouragement in this verse, is that focusing of, yep, feel the feels. Someday mom and dad just won't be here at all. That's just true. Um, but that their focus, and I got to choose to have the same focus is, yeah, but whatever. Jesus is coming soon, and whatever we're doing is based on the fact that we better be doing what God wants us to do. We better be waiting on him, and we better be moving forward because Jesus is our focus, because he is coming soon. And that is my encouragement to myself and to all of you of when we are waiting, and I don't like it, and it feels the feels, and it surprised me. So much surprise over here. It's disconcerting. It's not going to go away. The reality isn't going to change of my parents' age. No changing there. My age doesn't change. But amidst of all that, James is reminding all of us, I get to focus on the fact that my king is coming soon. And when I feel emotional and I don't really know where to go with my emotions, I get to just go ahead and put those aside. And I say, okay, Jesus, we're focusing on the fact that you're coming, so what is my responsibility in that alone? And that is how he is showing me right now to have patience in these circumstances that are just, they just are. They just are. They just are. And when we choose this patience, this waiting in our circumstance, um, 
the verse I shared with us earlier, the Hebrews 6 through 12, is saying is that as we stay the course, we will get everything promised to us. We all will get everything promised to us as we stay the course in our circumstances that are irritating, that are disconcerting, that um, feel a little bit of upheaval or unease. If we stick to what God has asked us to do, if we stay on that path with the focus of him, we will have that settled heart as we wait in our circumstances. So I was like, cool, okay, cool, that's good, thanks God, that's great. Um, but then there's like people in the situation, you know, like, I am not living in a vacuum. I get to live with a spouse and with a family and I get to do church and, you know, we just all get to be in relationship. And um, that is the best and hardest part about church, right? I mean, it's just that's the best part about church is the relationship. That's the hardest part because when it hurts, it hurts. Um, when stuff happens, it happens. But James, he talks about having, secondly, having patience while we are in relationship. This was a really interesting verse. I will read it again. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. <laughs> Obviously, my first brush with that was like, don't grumble, don't complain, don't be mad at each other, don't say mean things. And I just kind of wasn't really, because you're gonna be judged, because you're even worse than they are. Um, but the more I dug into it, 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 it's a really, it's, again, I went to the Greek. This is so interesting. Uh, the Greek word, so it was written in Greek, James. The Greek word grumble, or in a lot of um, translation, it says groan. Um, it is the Greek word stenazo, stenazo. It is to groan within oneself. It's a feeling which is internal and unexpressed to sigh or groan with frustration. So I think that we, I'll speak for myself, very good at the stenazo in my life. I have a lot of, <sighs> we all hear that. Our kids hear it. My husband hears it when he's trying to help me with Ikea furniture. <sighs> the groaning or groaning within oneself. So it's bizarre because this verse isn't actually so much talking about complaining about each other as it's talking about complaining to each other. That's a totally different spin than kind of where I just assumed. It was just always talking about not being, complaining about each other and don't, don't pick out their faults because you're, you know, the log, you, they have a splinter, you have a log in your eye. I, the Holy Spirit just said, maybe there's a place for that in this verse, but the words that, God chose to give James was to groan within yourself, that sigh with frustration. So, so this came out of Strong's Concordance, and Strong's Concordance also says, do not make one another uneasy by your murmuring groans at what befalls you, nor by your distressful groans as to what may further come upon you, nor by your revengeful groans against the instruments of your suffering, nor by your envious groans as though at those who may be free from your calamities. Do not make yourselves uneasy and make one another uneasy by thus groaning and grieving to one another. And that's what I feel like is the meat of what James is trying to say. 
the judgment comes in. Whereas I am groaning and bemoaning, I am taking people's focus off of God. I am taking them off of that focus that he has asked us to have because he is coming soon. I'm causing people to stumble in their trust that God will come through in their personal circumstances as we moan and bemoan that ongoing, if more is going to come, it's just, you know, it's never really worked out. Sabbaticals are hard. It just might not work out. I don't know. Yeah, I, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Those kinds of things that people, I could say, what, what value is that? That's where the judgment comes in because we're taking off people's focus off of who God is. We're taking people's focus off of them standing through with a settled heart as they go through their circumstance. Rather, James is asking that we act with patience. That macrothymesate, I'm going to say it as many times as possible, I'm so proud. That humble acquiescence in the wisdom and will of God. Because fretfulness and discontentment, that as we spread that, we've all felt how that feels. Maybe when you're in an office, a family gathering, a church, uh, just waiting in line anywhere, the fretfulness and discontentment that people have and how that spreads, and it just takes your day from like, we were doing fine to like, we are now not fine. That uncommon patience that sets our community apart as Christians, part of it has to do with having that patience while we're in relationship. But it's okay to have feelings. I hope so, I'm already sharing them, so I hope that's okay but I, we can't stay there. That's not what we're supposed to be disseminating. It's those groanings of all the things that might happen. We're supposed to be disseminating the fact that this is hard, this is how I feel, I don't like all of this right now, but here is where I'm ending up. And that is that uncommon patience that we are choosing to stand with a settled heart as we are waiting to see what God has as he comes and we're waiting for his arrival. My groans or grumbling actually are demonstrating that I don't trust his plan or his will. I think it's talking about a state of being. That's right, choosing to have an uncommon patience while I wait to see what God has for my parents and for RCC. Or I could spread distrust. I could spread the fact that, sorry, Jess, they're going to die soon. You know, I could just like get crazy and just be really negative. Or I could say, yeah, God's got something so good. Kevin says it every week. I honestly couldn't agree more. Honestly, just I'm ecstatic with like what he has that's coming. I can choose to be in that state of being of where God is headed, or I can just choose to give in to that grumbling and that distress. I think that James gives a very strong argument for me choosing the former, to stick with knowing what God has is going to be good, that as we're waiting and we're doing our work, that wherever he has headed is really, really good because all that matters is the fact that he's coming soon and more people need to know who he is. We get to filter as we wait in our relationships, our filter through what is actually true. That should filter through what we're actually saying out loud to people. That should be a sign of what our community is. That is why we should be different, is that we have a filter. Not that we're not real, but that we have our filter of of what is real, that Jesus is coming soon. Colossians 1, 11 through 12 was another of the verses I shared earlier talking about some of the rewards that we get when we wait. It's talking about the patience, that it's not a gritting of our teeth. 
but it's the glory strength from God that spills into joy. And that is what we get to share while we are waiting. So that brings us to, in my mind, the big one. It's waiting on God. The patience while waiting on God. Um, a lot of times it's, it's easy to say we're waiting for a big decision. Do I marry this person? Do I buy that car? Do I buy that house? Do I take this job? Do I, how do I raise this child? What do I name this child? Um, you know, do I have my aging parents live with me or do I put them in a home? Do I take this trip or not take that trip? But there's also that waiting on God that's just the more intangible, like, um, how do you want me to move forward in this friendship? How do you want me to grow in this particular area? Is there something more I can be doing in our quiet time together, Lord? There's a lot of other waitings that are just those long-term, maybe not so clear-cut. And I think that um, James speaks on both of those type of issues and circumstances that we find ourselves in. The James 5, 10 through 11 says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So I think there's two things, like I said, he's talking about types of waiting. First, I wanted to be reminded, like the prophets and like Job, stay true to what God has already asked us to do. It's interesting because prophets, I feel super bad for them because like literally their only job is to just wait on God. And while we read the Bible and it's very like, he went away to pray and the Lord spoke a word to him and then he went and spoke the word to the people. All of us know like that's just not real life. That is what happened, but we don't get all the nitty gritty of how long did he have to wait? How hard were those people to talk to? Um, how much he didn't want to share what he had? Um, how long it had been since last time prophet heard from God. Just waiting on God, that is a hard job. James is encouraging us to persevere like those prophets did. And they're waiting, the prophets in, in that age, they were really specific directions that they often got. That's what they got. Yes, we should fight that person. We should build a temple over here. No, we should not fight that person. Yes, we should take those slaves. No, we should not do that. The prophets really acted like, here's the task that we should do. So in my mind, I think of that a lot like when we're looking for those specific answers for the job, for the move, for the money, for the car, for the this, for the that. We're just asking and we're waiting on God. So James is speaking to that. But he's also speaking to like Job. As we know, he has his whole own book of his waiting on God. And it's a rough read. It's a rough read. And it goes on for a long time about all of the negative things that come in Job's life. And he is just waiting on God with that focus. <laughs> Lord, you're coming soon. I will not change. I will not take away my faith. I just know you're coming soon while I'm waiting through all this. And I think of Job and that story of Job that um, his staying power was the, another word that they used. Job's staying power is what I think about for those of us when we're in those moments of just, it's that deeper internal waiting on God for something that's sort of intangible or those really hard things or the uncomfortable things that we're just kind of waiting. There's no end date. It's not like, well, you have to move, so God, just hopefully you'll answer which house we should buy. Um, but also just the, okay, now that we're in this house, why are we here? What do you have for us? What's the neighborhood supposed to be like? Where are we giving? Um, where are we receiving? 
James is encouraging us in both of those things, that regardless of what scenario we feel ourselves in, we need to stay true to what God has asked us to do. Again, Discerning the Voice of God is the Bible study that we're just finishing up um, with some of the women. It's by Priscilla Shire, and she's done an incredible job. One of the things that she says is, waiting is not the same as inactivity. Waiting is a commitment to continue in obedience until God speaks. And I think that's exactly what Job did. That's exactly what the prophets did. They continued in obedience while they waited for God to speak. We also need to be reminded that as we are waiting and having that perseverance, God is working out his plan so that it all works, fits perfectly, regardless of our time frame. I'm going to reread re -read verse 11 just in the message. You've heard, of course, of Job's same power, and you know how God brought it all together for him in the end. That's because God cares, cares right down to the last detail. That's that compassion and mercy that the NIV talks about. He cares right down to the last detail, no matter how long it takes. He asks us to stay settled. He asks us to stay focused. I mean, the sabbatical, is, it's, it's wrapping up, and I'm interested to hear what, what God has been saying. I know they have been waiting on God. I know Kevin's been waiting on God. I hope all of you have as well. I know I have been waiting on God of what tangible thing might you have next, and also that undertone of God, what are you calling each of us to do that might be bigger and more than we thought before? Where are you asking us to step out? Where are you asking us to step back? while we're waiting on God. Everything about what's going to happen next is about what God has for us. And the surprising thing is it actually has nothing to do with the sabbatical. That's actually how we should be approaching every day, every Sunday, every interaction we have. God, what do you want? This is a really big deal. This conversation's a big deal. This child is a really big deal. My parent is a big deal. How Am I going to encourage them? What's the next step you want me to take? The sabbatical just happens to be a really great example for me to use because that's something I'm personally getting to work through as I'm waiting and practicing patience. Oh, thank you for the lights. So good. Um, but that's what he wants from us every single day with all the pieces that we're waiting on, with all of the individual things that it matters to you and to you and to you, where you're waiting to hear what God has. We get to be excited because James says that God cares. He cares so much about us right down to the very last detail. So all we, no matter how I feel, I always get to end with that. I just get to be excited because I have, I'm a detail person, hence I'm great at Ikea. It, he has it all figured out, no matter how well I think I have it all sorted in my brain, in any circumstance in my life, in any circumstance in your life. He cares so much, he will make sure that last detail fits just the way it was supposed to, for his glory and for our good. He's really compassionate about how we feel. He's compassionate that it's hard, but it doesn't change what he's asked us to do, to have uncommon patience, to be settled in our hearts. 
The last verse I want to share with you guys today is Habakkuk 2.3, and this is out of the Living Bible. These things I plan, I being God, won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. And if it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. This is why we can live with distinctive attitude of our Christian community is our patience. That irritating, disconcerting things do not change the settled conditions of our hearts. This is our uncommon patience. This is how we show others Jesus. This is true um, when we are patient with God's timing. I think it's worth renewing our commitment to stay steady and strong like the farmers did in whatever circumstances we find ourselves waiting in. I think we need to refocus back on God when all we want to do is maybe groan and moan about what's happening and it's just not like we thought. We need to have staying power like Job did, that when we're waiting to hear from God in our circumstances that aren't changing, let's choose to be settled in our heart Let's choose to be humble in our acquiescence to the wisdom and the will of God. That's the patience that James is calling us to. If you guys want to stand, we're just gonna, I just kind of want to give a little bit of a challenge, and then I also just want to pray over us. Um, I did throw out a lot of verses today. I like what PK said just the other week. He also threw out a lot of verses, and he says, but it's church. That's what we're supposed to do. So it's super fun to just be like, there's a whole bunch of verses. Thankfully, you have Bibles. And if you don't, you have a phone, and you can look up the verses. And I want to encourage you as you spend time with God today and throughout the rest of the week and continuing on throughout the month to look at some of those verses and say, God, which one of these verses do you have for me to just sort of hold to as I wait, whether I have a really specific circumstance like I personally do right now with my parents, I got a specific circumstance of just waiting to see what God has. Or maybe you're just saying, you know what, God, I don't have any one big decision I'm trying to wait on right now or a difficult circumstance I'm waiting through, but we should always be um, yearning for more of what God has for us. So if we're just waiting to see where he's calling us to next, the Holy Spirit will have a space and a verse that encourages your heart. So I want to encourage you to write it on a note card, put it in your car, Put it in front of the sink when you do dishes so you just see it. And the Holy Spirit gets to cultivate that uncommon patience and that you'll be reminded as you go out and about, oh, works perfect because it's holidays, the uncommon patience that is very difficult to find and it's very difficult to experience. That is what makes us unique as a Christian community. That is something we get to offer to everybody no matter what. So, Lord, as we stand here together as a family, as brothers and sisters, as James calls us scattered ones, cultivate uncommon patience in us. That we would not um, give in to the idea that our circumstances are for testing and suffering only. But they are to refocus. They are to show your glory. They are for us to hear you. They are for us to wait as you make all the other pieces fit. So even though we're waiting, that when the time approaches, your vision, it will not tarry. It will not delay. It will come to pass, God. And when we feel the feels of the waiting and the moaning and the groaning, God, 
that you would, um, Holy Spirit, remind us to refocus on, okay, that is true, this is hard, but let my focus be um, always filtered through the fact, Jesus, you are coming soon, and that is all that matters outside of how I feel about this circumstance. We trust, Lord, that you will speak. God, in Romans 5, 3 through 5, I just want to read this over my, my family here. There is more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we are never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God has generously poured into our lives through the Holy Spirit. In your name, amen. 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 Thanks, you guys. See you next week.